Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. What is up? What is up, Denny's? No. Um, <laughs> if you get the meme, you get the meme. Now, how are you guys doing? Today is Wednesday, May 24th. Yeah, May 24th. May is almost over. We're almost to June. That's a ridiculous thing to say. It is 2023. <laughs> I don't know why I'm repeating myself. Anyway, how are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? You doing fun? You having fun? You doing good? How's uh, how's everything going for y'all? Is it uh, is it a good gaming time for y'all? You're playing uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I am not. I'm still playing Jedi Survivor. Um, I mean, I love it. I'm not gonna lie. It's a great game. I'm almost. I'm trying to do like everything in it as much as I can. Um, I haven't even played Breath of the Wild. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. That's why I didn't get Tears of the Kingdom. And my gaming time is is limited. Uh, I guess you could say right now, just with everything, but uh, no, it's good, good time, good time. Um, so we got a lot of good stories for you guys today. Obviously, the PlayStation Showcase happened earlier today, where a lot of new games were announced. A lot we were expecting, a lot we weren't expecting. We got to see some uh, gameplay from games we knew were coming, but it's the first time they've been shown off in quite a while. We got to see. Uh, what I was not expecting was PlayStation announced some new peripherals, surprisingly. Uh, that's one of the major stories. Also, you know, Netflix is has finally announced what they're going to do for password sharers. And they're going to start charging people. We'll talk about that later. And then at the end of the show, I'll have my review of Fast X. I did see it this weekend, and it was great. But before we get into the show, as of course, just get some housekeeping out of the way. Make sure to follow Nick's Nerd News on social media. You guys can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Follow me on uh, TikTok at the Nick DeFalco. Always posting previews of the show. Obviously, that comes uh, to, to Instagram as well. Or if you guys want, you can um, follow me there. I post some other fun stuff too, or will plan to. Also, check out nicksternews.com where you guys can listen to the show right in your browser. Yeah, how fancy is that? But while you're there, why don't you subscribe to the show? And you can do so by clicking the links to our Spotify profile, our profile on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. You know what? I don't know where we're not. We're even on Amazon Music. How about that? I'm sure you guys would love it. Make sure to give us a subscribe, a like, a poke, a prod, a thumbs up, a thumbs down, stars, negative stars, half stars. They're all there. It's all available for you at your convenience. So, let's not waste any more time, and let's get right into the news. So, video game news. What is going on in the gaming world a lot? So, last Thursday, literally the day after we recorded, we finally got the reveal of Mortal Kombat 1. Yes, Mortal Kombat 1. So, while technically it is Mortal Kombat 12, it is following off the story the timeline that was rebooted at the end of, of of Mortal Kombat 11 yes spoilers I know but Mortal Kombat 11 ended with a ten, essentially a, a full reboot of the timeline with 
Liu Kang becoming like a god, and he's he's there being a god in the trailer for Mortal Kombat 1, which, again, technically 12, but also 1, because it's a reboot and a sequel, if that makes any sense. So, I'm very excited. It's out on September 15th. You can pre-order it now. There's several different versions. I think the full-on collector's edition, spelled with a K, of course, is sold out. That came with like a big Liu Kang statue. Uh, there are several other editions still available. There, uh, a new feature they announced was called Cameo Fighters, again spelled with a K, where you can use them. You can't play as them, but they will assist you in your fight. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, let me see. None of them were fully announced yet, I don't think. Uh, and then there was some DLC that was announced but it was leaked by, I think, Amazon Italy, and a few of the fighters that were leaked, and this had already been hinted at already, but allegedly the list of fighters includes, and this is DLC, so this is not in the core game, Omni-Man from Invincible, Homelander from The Boys, and Peacemaker from DC, which has got to be the wildest combination of, of DLC fighters I've ever heard for a fighting game. Just like three muscle-bound white dudes who trend down fascism lane <laughs> in a violently graphic video game, which makes sense given the nature of both of all three shows. Invincible, Peacemaker, um, and of course The Boys. So it makes sense that those three people would be in a fighting game uh, such as Mortal Kombat. The gore, the graphic nature, them being ultra strong and stuff, it all makes sense. But Mortal Kombat 1 releasing on September 15th. And yes, don't worry, I will be reviewing it when it comes out. Xbox has announced that due to their recent commitment and partnership with NVIDIA and their GeoForce Now, the first game to be released from Xbox on the GeoForce Now platform will be Gears 5, or Gears of War 5, however you want to put it, showing that, no, these deals weren't just for show. They did sign these 10-year cloud gaming deals, and they are going to bear fruit. Moving on. Uh, Lords of the Fallen has been announced to be re releasing on October 13th. A lot of games coming out in October. So if you're looking for that Souls-like game, that's when that comes out. Niantic has announced... Uh, that Shadow Raids will be coming to Pokemon Go. No surprise there. That uh, was the eventual conclusion after they add all the Pokemon. So now you can catch Shadow Pokemon at the Raids. Uh, and then sticking with Pokemon, the Pokemon Company and Game Freak announced that Pokemon Home will finally be releasing for Scarlet and Violet. They originally announced that it was supposed to come out today. Didn't happen. No surprise there. Because lately they've just... Not been great on hitting timelines and targets and things like that. But, unfortunately, while it was supposed to be today, they said soon. So we should probably have an update very shortly. So that way we know when we can bring Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet into Pokemon Home to transfer around. NVIDIA has announced a new graphics card series, the RTX 4060. The 8GB uh, uh, $400 version is available now. And a 16-gig $500 version will be available in July. That is uh, a, a step up from the 3060 Ti 
This is the now 4060 Ti, which is like their entry level, if, if you will. Speaking of entry level graphics cards, AMD announced their RX 7600, which retails for $299. That's if you guys want to upgrade, but without fully going full 4K. From what I've seen on reviews, they're, they're mid-tier. Maybe stick with your 33,000 level or, or 6,000 level on AMD. I'm still kicking strong with a 1070 Ti, so things are going okay <laughs> so far. Uh, anyway, the Dead by Daylight universe is expanding. Uh, looks like new games and things are on the horizon. Um, Dead by Daylight's universe, like I said, is, is getting bigger. Behavior Interactive, they've announced new spin-off games, uh, including a story-paced game from Supermassive, who works on in Until Dawn, multiplayer PvE game from Midwinter Entertainment. So, this is during their 7th anniversary stream. I can't believe that game's been going that long. Uh, Nick Cage is joining the game as well, which is nuts, if you ask me. The fact that Nick Cage is going to be in a game. But yes, that, uh, if you are playing Dead by Daylight, your chances of playing in that world are now going to grow. Um, Eon, who makes adapters for old consoles to play on modern TVs, has announced the XBHD, which is an HDMI adapter for the original Xbox. Um, hold on, let me get the price for you guys. So they've made adapters for the N64 and the GameCube. Uh, essentially, this is going to be a plug-and-play. It will have... Two HD video HDMI port outputs, outputs, three LAN ports, so if you want to have like a, a LAN party, and a mini Toslink audio jack for, for, you know, audio, optical audio included. Uh, and you can put up, up out to two monitors, essentially. Um, it will cost $189, and it will be available next month, June 20th. $200, holy shit, that's expensive for that thing. Um, for essentially what's just a pass-through box. Anyway, um, <laughs> it looks like a mini, little mini Xbox, pretty cool looking. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it will be available June 20th. I don't know when, uh, I guess you can buy it direct. Oh, you can buy it on Amazon. Their GameCube one is $160, holy Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's nuts. Eon is the brand. Um, oh, they sell other cables and stuff. That's cool. That's if you want that little adopter. But that's coming next month. Uh, Lego has announced a new gaming-focused um, set. And this is going to be a set based on Pac-Man. So they've done Mario. They've done Horizon. They've done, you know, uh, Overwatch. They've done a whole lot. We all know this. But now they have a new Mario set. It is a... Lego, um, it is one of their adult sets, so if you see a Lego black box, means it's more for, geared for adults. Uh, this set will release uh, June 1st for VIPs and later in the month for everyone else. It will have 2,650 2, pieces, retail for $269.99. Kind of cheap for a set with that many pieces as of late with Lego. And it's almost like a little mini arcade machine. Uh, it even comes with the ghosts, with Pac-Man. You can move it so it looks like Pac-Man's moving around the grid. It's pretty cool if you ask me. And uh, it also has like a person playing an actual arcade cabinet uh, like hidden in it. So like you build this as well. 
it's pretty cool looking if you ask me. Lego's been stepping it up with some of the things like this. So that will be available later. And official announcement, <clears throat> quote, the Lego Group and Bandai Namco partner to release the Lego Icons Pac-Man arcade set. Time to munch some brick ghosts with the new Lego Icons Pac-Man arcade set. New Lego Icons Pac-Man arcade set is detailed recreation of the classic 80s arcade game. New Lego set is announced on the same day the original game was revealed in 1980 and includes large colorful brick versions of Pac-Man, Blinky, and Clyde. Collaboration between Bandai Namco and the Lego Group revealed that Pac-Man's famous yellow color was inspired by the Lego Group's signature color. The, the Lego Group and Bandai Namco are celebrating the 43rd anniversary of Pac-Man with a reveal of the new vintage Lego Icons Pac-Man arcade set, one of the most famous and nostalgic arcade games of all time. Originally released on May 22, 1980 by Bandai Namco Entertainment, Inc., previously Namco in Japan, the Pac-Man video game, unquote. So yes, that is available later next month if you are not a LEGO VIP. And like I said, will retail for around $270. 343 Industries has finally announced the return of Infection Mode to Halo as it will finally hit Halo Infinite on June 20th. It's been absent from the game for almost three years when it should have been a launch mode. Halo Infinite was missing a lot of modes at launch. A lot of people were frustrated. The one people have been clamoring and asking for the most is Infection, and they're finally getting it. Uh, Nintendo is being sued over loot boxes. Nintendo is famous for putting some of their largest IPs on mobile games. Some of them uh, are somewhat gotcha and tend to, you know, want more money out of you for microtransactions. Well... In regards to Mario Kart Tour, the Spotlight Pipes loot boxes, uh, which were in the game until September of last year, they're now being sued over. Via Axios, uh, a plaintiff who's a young gamer spent almost $200 on microtransactions using their father's credit card. The lawsuit alleges, quote, capitalized on and encouraged addictive behaviors akin to gambling, unquote, which... Of course, loot boxes have been under that scrutiny for quite a while all over the world, not just here in the U.S. And it looks like uh, they are alleged to have violated California and Washington laws. So that's what they're being sued for. And uh, we'll see if, if it ever comes to fruition, if something actually happens from this lawsuit. I doubt it, but still possible. Um... A new League of Legends spinoff has, I think it got released, uh, Convergence, a League of Legends story, which is a 2D action platformer, I think is available now. Uh, we've learned that Destiny 2 will be getting PlayStation-themed content. Obviously, their ownership, uh, Bungie's ownership, uh, PlayStation worked on this deal, so it's, it's PlayStation x Bungie. And you'll be able to get different outfits, uh, God of War-themed Titan armor, which... Titan is like the, the heavy class, so you can look like Kratos. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima and Horizon Zero Dawn, so it looks like an Aloy-themed one. And then you can actually get Last of Us-themed content for your ghost and your ships. Uh, so that's all available now on PlayStation versions of Destiny 2. GameStop has announced that they are going to be changing how their GameStop rewards works. So, starting next month, GameStop Rewards will fully transition to GameStop Pro. 
which will then also go up in price to $24.99 a year from its current $15 or $14.99 a year. Uh, you can, if you renew now, you can lock that in. I think I'm renewed for like two years. But if you grab a year's worth, it will automatically change to GameStop Pro on June 27th. Uh, if you do it after, uh, obviously you'll be charged the $24.99. So what this new program does is you will get a $10 credit for signing up. Uh, that will happen. You can get it to spend as soon as it, it arrives in it via email. And here are the new benefits. Like I said, a $10 welcome reward, a one-time credit for joining, plus a $5 credit when re you renew your membership. You'll also get a $5 monthly, monthly reward to be able to spend on anything in the store, and that's every month. 10% extra trade credit, access to exclusive sales like the four pro weeks per year, 5% off all pre-owned products, collectibles, clearance items, GameStop products, and protection plans, 2% back in rewards, and Game Informer digital subscription. Those are all the new options under the GameStop Pro, which launches on June 27th. So, uh, we've learned some new things about uh, sales regarding PlayStation 5, PSVR, uh, PS Online, or PS Plus, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we've learned some new numbers. They, they put out some new numbers. In a business presentation, uh, Sony has let the world know that about 30% of PS Plus subscribers have currently subbed to their new more expensive tiers, which are, um, I, what, what are they calling it? P PS Plus Extra. Um, and then another, so which is... Um, 8 million users are paying for premium, which is the most expensive. 6.1 million are paying for extra, which is the second most, um, which is 17 and 13% of total subscribers. Uh, so that's about 30% of the um, of total subscribers for the new PS Plus tiers uh, in its first six months, apparently, they said, or 10 months. So I still don't understand fully. So extra... So PS Plus Essential costs $60 a year, uh, which is what 70% of subscribers sub to. Extra is $99 a year and adds uh, PlayStation Plus games catalog. Um, and then there's the premium, which is $120 a year. And that comes with the classic games catalog, which is like PS1 games, things like that. So that, that's how that structure is. So essentially more people are paying for the premium than the middle, but most people are playing, paying for the regular one that didn't change. That's interesting that more people are paying, paying for the more expensive one. Uh, Sony is also expecting um, that the PS5 to outpace PS4 sales by the end of 2023. So in the same time frame, essentially. They're not worried about supply chains or anything like that anymore. Uh, it's outsold the PS4 in its first year on market. Um, so uh, compared to the PS4's first year. Uh, sales have slowed just a tad. Obviously, that's expected with all consoles. Um, and they expect by February 2024, it will outpace the uh, whatever the PS4 was doing at the same time, about three and a half years in. We've also learned that the PSVR 2 is doing better than its original. But again, the PSVR didn't sell well to begin with. Obviously, the PSVR 2 is doing better. There's more games, better support. Uh, what this means in the long term, though, we still don't know, right? VR is still a very nebulous thing. Uh, I would like to see the PSVR 2 succeed. It is quite expensive. Um, 
but again, you have to be connected to a PS5, so it doesn't necessarily offer the same capabilities as like a Oculus Quest or things like that. And of course, during the state of play, they announced some new VR stuff, but it looks like the PSVR 2 uh, outperformed in its first six weeks the original PSVR, which is sold means it sold just below 600,000 units. So they haven't given official numbers, but the PSVR 2 sold about 500,000 units in its first, um, first six weeks. Uh, we've also learned that Resident Evil 4 will be getting a VR. Resident Evil 4 Remake is getting a VR mode. Beat Saber is coming to the PSVR 2. Ghostbusters, Crossfire, uh, Behemoth, some other things. But it is doing better than the original. But again, it is expensive. It is. Uh, but it does have better support. And it looks to be a, a better offering than some other VR headsets on the market. Obviously, that will change as the year goes on. As more and more VR headsets come out. Um, this has been going around a lot today. The Embracer Group, which is a big video game company that owns a lot, they're a big publisher, they own a lot of developers. Well, their stock price plummeted. It looks like they had a $2 billion deal fall through. Uh, CEO of Embracer Group, Lars Wing Wingeforce, was, uh, during, was presenting during an earnings presentation. And uh, even though they recently purchased, you know, um, what, why can't I think of their name? Um, Eidos, right? Who make Deus Ex and Tomb Raider and things like that. Uh, they just released Dead Island, which Dead Island 2, which did better than a lot of people expected. They own the rights to the Lord of the Rings. Um, but they lost out a $2 billion game development deal at the very last minute. And it happened last night, of all things. Uh, it said, quote, up until late last night, we had an amazing cash flow because of that transaction. Um but, uh, unquote, and they had a really strong commitment, quote unquote, but it looks like it fell through. Um, I don't know how that happens. It's, that's wild to me. Um, but he was asked a lot of questions. He still wouldn't name names. There's issues now potentially regarding the KOTOR remake. I'm, I'm reading Jeff Grubb, who's a known industry insider, doesn't think that game's ever coming out. Uh, like I said, they they bought up quite a few companies. They bought Saber Interactive, Gearbox, Crystal Dynamics, Eidos. Um, they they've had issues with games coming, um, games coming out and being good, games coming out and being bad. They own a ton of IP, but it looks like they've been working on the deal since last fall. But again, it fell through at the end. It was going to be two billion dollars. Um, so. It, <laughs> I'm wondering, a, a lot of people are speculating if it was Sony or Microsoft. So it, 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 it's, it's a wondering if it was NetEase, Tencent. Nobody knows, right? Could have been anyone. It's very, very strange um, as to how this happened and who it was. I'm wondering if it will ever come out. Uh, Embracer Group, of course, is from Sweden. Their stock plummeted 45% today um that is that is crazy i'm wondering wondering what's going to happen uh they were supposed to make a new metro game they own 
uh, 4A games, but obviously that's in the middle of Ukraine and no game development's really going on there right now. So Embracer Group, which was once the largest, may be crumbling under its own weight. Um, speaking of crumbling under weight, Sega has announced Relic Entertainment has laid off over 100 employees. Relic is known for working on some of its um, uh, RTS games. You know, they worked with Microsoft on the last Age of Empires. They work on the Total War series for Sega, things like that. Even though they just announced a new game, uh, Total War Pharaoh, but uh, they've laid off about 120 people. So that is unfortunate. Hopefully they'll land new jobs at other developers. Uh, before we get to the PlayStation Showcase, Microsoft did officially appeal to the CMA today in regards to the Activision deal they are looking to secure in the country. Uh, so the UK is one of the few countries that has so far blocked the deal outright. Uh, the China just approved it. It's been approved everywhere else. The US hasn't given a final ruling. But as I said, Microsoft has issued its official appeal uh, of the UK CMA's decision uh, to block the $69 billion deal. So via Bloomberg, uh, through a formal filing, fi filing uh, they have issued their appeal. Um, we don't have the official wording of it yet, but it is in regards to the, the issues the CMA has in regards to cloud gaming. Everyone thinks it's nuts because it doesn't make any sense, but we'll be waiting to see what their official appeal states. And of course, we will be talking about it right here on Nixner News once it comes out. But to end on a great day of gaming... Let's talk about everything that was announced at the PlayStation Showcase today. So, the biggest thing to come out, we got to see 10 minutes of Spider-Man 2 gameplay. Marvel Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac Games, the sequel to what I thought was one of the best games several years ago. That Spider-Man game is amazing. Miles Morales, the follow-up spin-off, amazing as well. This game, though, will bring the two together. It looks like you can swap between Miles and Spider-Man um, throughout the game, depending on what the story needs. Uh, they introduced us to Kraven the Hunter, as he will probably be one of the big villains. We get to see also um, Dr. Kurt Connors' Lizard, who's also a big major Spider-Man villain. Uh, the, the showcase of gameplay focuses on you chasing after Lizard so that Kraven can't get him, essentially. It looks really fun. I'd also showed off Peter in his symbiote suit. Looks like Venom is going to be in the game. And uh, we're getting Dark Peter, or what? What, what did they call uh, um, Goth Peter? What is he, what's he called in Spider-Man Three when when like the symbiote takes over and he's all weird and dark and moody and mysterious? Well, it looks like we're getting that v version of Peter for some portion of Marvel Spider-Man Two, which still doesn't have an official release date, surprisingly, uh, but it will release in fall 2023. Uh, the next major news was the Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake. Also, it's being called Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. Uh, it is a full remake. All we got was a cinematic trailer, and uh, that is expected this fall on major platforms. Uh, also announced was the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection, which will see a release of several other former Metal Gear Solid games on modern consoles. Um, Sony announced... What what I what I'm I'm they haven't given a name to it yet, but 
Um, hold on, let me. Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume One will include Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid Two, Sons of Liberty, Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater, which again is um, already coming out in the remake. Oh, the remake's not coming out this year. Sorry, I don't know when that's coming. But uh, anyway, Sony announced a dedicated streaming device for your PlayStation Five. Everyone is calling it PS Five Handheld. It is. Uh, it does require Wi-Fi. It's essentially just a 8-inch screen that they decided to fit into the middle of a, a DualSense controller. Uh, like I said, it is Wi-Fi only. You have to stream from your PS5. It has all the haptic feedback of a DualSense. And uh, so, yeah, you can't, like, go around with it. You, it has to be connected to your PS5. So it's not a full handheld. Um, so it, it's for remote play only. I thought to myself, who the fuck is this for? Like, if you're playing on your TV and shit, why, what is this? Then I brought it up to some friends, friends who have kids, and they're like, actually, this is perfect for me. Because they, they can either play Switch or this would actually benefit them. I get it, right? I, I, go, I don't get it, and I do get it all at the same time. This is what Project Q was that people have been talking about online. Um... I, I just, I think it's it's probably going to be very expensive. Um, it, it just, it doesn't, I, it's not for me. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I, I don't get it. They also announced, though, PlayStation earbuds. So, I <laughs> yeah, wireless earbuds. I don't know why you need those official ones. Everyone makes other ones that you can use. Like, PlayStation uses Bluetooth. I, I don't. I don't know what, um, why, why they need, they better just be Sony's regular earbuds because those are some of the best earbuds. I'm not going to, not going to sit here and say not, but it, they better just be Sony's regular earbuds painted white with the PlayStation logo because you can use them on PC, smartphone. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. No pricing or release date was released for either of them. Uh, we got a first a new trailer for Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, which is a sequel to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and that game comes out on October 12th. There's another October game. Alan Wake 2 was officially announced, the sequel to the Alan Wake game, which is one of the most underrated games on the Xbox 360, if you ask me. Uh, that will release October 17th from Remedy, after being hinted at in Control. And Remedy has announced that it will be digital only to keep its price under $70. It will be $60 on console and $50 on PC. Very excited for that. I love the first Alan Wake game. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced, which is the first... Uh, oh, Alan Wake comes out on October 17th. So, again, another October game. Um, Dragon Dog Dragon's Dogma 2 is offic was officially announced. It is the first new Dragon's Dogma game in over a decade, from what I've heard. I don't really know about the first game. Uh, it looks like it's a medieval game, and it will be made in the Unre or the Resident Evil engine from Capcom. Bungie took to the stage to announce some new things. They are making a new marathon game, and if you're wondering, what do you mean marathon? So marathon is a franchise that Bungie made way before they ever made Halo. This is before Oni, 
they, there's a lot of things that are taken from Marathon that were adapted into Halo, of course, knowing Bungie. Uh, this game will be a first-person shooter, but it will be PvP only. It will not have a story mode. It's PvP only, um, and uh, that is expected sometime in the future. It was just a cinematic trailer. They also dropped a new trailer for Destiny 2. It looks like Cade 6 is returning to the game. Cade 6, famously played by Nathan Fillion. Well, technically, wouldn't it be Cade 7 then? I don't know how it works. But Cade 6 is returning to Destiny. We got a new cinematic franchise. Uh, Jade Raymond Studio Haven has finally shown off their first new game. Um, Haven Studio announced Fair Games. It is a new PvP game, and uh, Jade Raymond, of course, famous for working at Naughty Dog. It is a competitive heist, heist experience coming to PS5 and PC. Whoa, look at that. Sony releasing games on PS5 and PC day and date. Whoa, how are the ponies going to handle that? Sorry. Uh, it's about robbing the ultra-rich. It was just a cinematic trailer shown off. Um... So it looks like you can steal banks for the rich. I, I don't know. But fair game. And fair games. And the S is a dollar sign. Uh, the Talos Principle 2 was announced. The uh, puzzle platformer, which will also be coming to multiple platforms. And uh, a new trailer was released. Uh, Foam Stars from Square Enix was announced, which looks to be a like a Splatoon ripoff. Uh, very weeboo. Uh, very... Very, very Japanese-looking game. <laughs> uh, I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying. Uh, we also got a new look at the Plucky Squire, a new indie game, uh, which is going to be a top-down action-adventure game. Uh, Phantom Blade, a new RPG, Souls-like game, was announced. And that looks like... Um, I think that is going to be a PS5 exclusive, but... It is fast-paced scored combat, semi-open world, no release date. Uh, Ghost Runner 2 was announced. Ghost Runner is a uh, very interesting game that came out last year where it's like it's all very speedrunning-ish. Um, a second game is coming out later this year. Arrowhead announced a Helldivers 2. Um, that is coming later this year. Uh, the first game came out in 2015. Giant Squid, who's famous for making Journey and Abzu, has announced Sword of the Sea, which will be a PS5 exclusive. It looks like Journey, but on a surfboard. Uh, I mentioned earlier Resident Evil 4 is getting a re, uh, remake, is getting a, a VR mode. Five Nights at Pretty, Freddy's Help Wanted 2 announced for later this year. It looks like uh, that will be on PSVR 2. And... Uh, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's waited for the movie trailer to come out before announcing this. Uh, Neva, N-E-V-A, is a new indie game from the makers of Gris. It is a, uh, it looks like it's hand-painted. Very cool-looking game. Uh, Cat Quest, Pirates of the Peribian. Oh, God. I don't know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. Uh, Towers of a of Agasaba which is a Breath of the Wild-like game coming to PlayStation. Uh, these are, of course, all different indie games, things like that. Um, they showed off a new trailer for Immortals of Avevum, which is coming out in July. It's a first-person shooter, but instead of using weapons, you're using magic. Um, a lot of other indie games were announced. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, Revenant Hill, 
Also coming to last gen, Ultros, um, Tower of Fantasy from Perfect World Games, new PSVR games like I mentioned, uh, Beat Saber is coming to PSVR 2, Fireworks Concord, um, Immortals of Avum, that was all announced. And a lot of these games are coming to PC as well. But, uh, so you want to, if you want to check out all those trailers, those are of course on the PlayStation website. I am most excited, of course, for Metal Gear Solid 3, which I know everyone considers the best Metal Gear Solid game in the franchise. Uh, I loved Metal Gear Solid 5. I think it's one of my top five games of all time. I'm very excited to be able to go back and play um, Mortal or Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very excited to be able to play Snake Eater when it comes out. It sucks Kojima's not involved. It's just Konami doing their own thing, but it happens. Um, not all the games today announced were exclusive, though, surprisingly. Uh, we did learn that the following games will also be releasing on Xbox. Immortals of Avevum, Ghost Runner 2, Marathon, surprisingly, will not be a PlayStation exclusive, despite Bungie being owned by Sony. Um, Metal Gear Solid Delta, yes, the Metal, Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater remake is coming to Xbox. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2, Alan Wake 2, Plucky Squire, Teardown, which is a, a fun little indie game, uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Neva, Cat Quest, and Talos Principle 2. All those games will be releasing on Xbox as well. So those are not all exclusives. Obviously, Spider-Man is going to be exclusive for obvious reasons. Um, I would definitely go check out that Spider-Man 2 gameplay, though. I am very excited. I cannot wait to play. It's one of the few games I don't fast travel in because I have so much fun swinging around New York City. It looks like Miles got some new, a new uh, outfit that includes like web wings and you can fly through the city and like hit certain power-ups to go faster so you don't necessarily have to swing the entire time. I can't wait to see. They showed off some of the new moves you get with Peter in his Venom suit. Very excited to see how that all plays out. I cannot wait for Marvel Spider-Man 2. I hope it doesn't release in October like all these other games. Uh, but that's it for gaming news. Let's head on over to TV land, shall we? All right, so what's going on in the streaming TV world? Well, a lot. A lot of things are changing. Anyway, before we get to the changes, let's talk to what's expected, right? The Squid Game reality show that Netflix was getting in trouble for will now drop on the platform in November. So if you want to see real people playing real Squid Game games without any actual stakes, you can watch that. Uh, Futurama uh, Season, I think, 11 drops on Hulu on July 24th with its first episode. It might be weekly. Um, the Arrowverse officially ends tonight. The season series finale of The Flash uh, airs tonight on The CW, which uh, brings with it an end to the Arrowverse. And you might go, Nick, wait a minute, what about uh, Lois, uh, Superman and Lois? Well, while it did start as an Arrowverse show, it no longer is an Arrowverse show. But uh, season nine of The Flash, <clears throat> it, it's been okay. Uh, it's not its best season. It's been very interesting, to say the least. Um, I am excited to watch the finale, though. They brought back all the speedster villains to be in one place. I'm excited for that. So, 
Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see what happens. Obviously, none of those stories will continue. Maybe in comics, though, that's still a possibility. But, uh, yeah, the Flash and the Arrowverse officially end tonight. I did very much enjoy the episode where Stephen Amell came back to play Oliver Queen. That was great. That was one of my favorite episodes from the Arrowverse in general over the last few years. Um, with that, though, the CW is is <clears throat> changing a lot. So the Winchesters, Kung Fu, and Walker Independence have all been canceled. Oh, I didn't know. Those were all... Walker Independence was like a sequel or a prequel to <clears throat> Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, a lot of things. They were acquired by Nexstar last year. They're no longer owned between CBS and Warner Brothers. But uh, they've bought a lot of new shows <clears throat> that uh, I, was, I was looking at their new upfronts. All these shows are different. Very different from what we expect from the CW in the past. Uh, shows that have been canceled in the last year. Legends of Tomorrow, Charmed, the Charmed remake, Batwoman, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, those were all done immediately. <clears throat> and the only two shows that will be moving forward are going to be Walker and All-American. Um, we don't know yet what will happen with Superman and Lois, All-American Homecoming, or Gotham Knights. Uh, Gotham Knights, though, I heard that show is terrible. Um... I wonder what what will happen uh, <coughs> what will happen next. So it's been very very different with what's going to happen with with uh, the CW moving forward. Um, and uh, like I said, the, so yeah, they're they're pretty much done with superhero shows though. The the head of the network said, "quote <clears throat> had their time unquote during their network upfront." So an upfront is when a studio goes to present what shows they have coming in the fall. Every studio does it. And uh, entertainment president of the CW outlined their future. Uh, he said, quote, They were hallmarks of the CW for a long time. As we look forward and try to make this network bigger and profitable, frankly, as much as we all love those shows and they had their time, they're not working on linear, unquote. That's a big, <clears throat> big, big issue. They actually... Uh, have decided to not move forward with their Powerpuff Girls re live action remake as well. So a lot of um, a lot of stuff going on over there with the CW. Expect a new network over at the CW. Not surprised. <clears throat> uh, Disney apparently is sitting on a completely finished Alien vs Predator animated series, but doesn't want to release it. It is 10 episodes long, and uh, for some reason they don't want to put it out. Uh, on the Perfect Organism podcast, which is uh, had an episode faced, focused on Alien Day, based on the movie, uh, Joshua Izzo, who was a licensing director at 20th Century Fox, said, um, <clears throat> quote, There is, sitting at Disney now, at 20th Studios, 10 episodes of a fully completed Alien vs. Predator anime series that I produced. It's done. It's in the can. It's mixed. It's finished. It was produced and story cracked by Eric Calderon and Dave Baker, two unbelievably crazy, talented guys, unquote. So, what I want to know, it's an Alien vs. Predator show. Why haven't they put it out? That would probably make gangbusters. Put it on FX or Hulu, one of the two. Um, wow. 
So I guess uh, Izzo said, quote, I said, hey, listen, I want to pitch this idea of a direct-to-DVD alien and or alien predator and or predator animation that we, the consumer products division, can sell against. Let us be the masters of our own destiny rather than waiting for theatrical whenever a movie decides to come out, um, unquote. <clears throat> this was all done during Al the Alien Covenant days. And uh, the Alien Covenant was in production, and uh, the Predator hadn't even been announced. Uh, he brought this to Jerry Jeffrey Godsick, head of consumer products. So, wow, the fact that they got it out. Um, the They said, Izzo said the director worked on Halo Legends and Harlock Space Pirate, but this is crazy. If it's done and everything like that, it was worked on Aramaki who uh, has done some other things. I don't understand why they don't release it. Um, that's, they would probably... That would do well to curry favor as the new owners of the Alien and Predator franchises. But, obviously, they want to take it in a different direction. Uh, speaking of Hulu and things like that, Disney and them have announced several shows will be leaving the platforms including Willow, of all things, which kind of goes back into the idea that Willow was not getting a second season. I don't think it did as well as they were hoping. Uh, several other shows will be leaving Disney+. Plus. Obviously nothing from any of their major franchises, um, but just be aware, some of your favorites might, might not be there when you go back. Um, Netflix has hired Arnold Schwarzenegger to be their uh, chief action officer, whatever that means. <clears throat> so <laughs> this is this is very strange. I, I don't know if this is a real thing uh, or if it's a promotional video because obviously he has his new show, Fubar, coming. There's a new documentary about him there. And um, it says, quote, no one loves action as much as I do. That's why I've accepted the big new job as Netflix's chief action officer, unquote. That's Arnold in a in a video on YouTube. So, he talks about all different action stuff that Netflix makes, but then they talked about FUBAR. I, uh, I'm not entirely sure what, um, what is this? I, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> Chief Action Officer, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um... Skull Island trailer was released, so uh, Netflix has a anime based on Kong Skull Island coming out. They released a new trailer. The whole series drops in July. Uh, features Kong on Skull Island at some point before Godzilla vs. Kong, and some point after Kong Skull Island, somewhere in those 40 years in between the two movies. Um, in the movie timeline, sorry, not in real life. It's giving me very, like, Godzilla in the early 2000s cartoon vibe, which was a great show, even though it came off one of the worst Godzilla movies. Um, it focused on Zilla, obviously, and the, <clears throat> the one that took place in New York. This show looks amazing, though. Kong looks great. The monsters in it look great. It is canon to the MonsterVerse. So if you're a big fan of Kong Skull Island or the current Godzilla movies, you'll probably be a big fan of this. Obviously, leading into the release of Godzilla and Kong next year. Um, YouTube has is going to be adding 
unskippable ads on its on its TV app. And I don't mean YouTube TV. I mean if you're watching the regular YouTube on your TV, which I, I do a lot of. Um, so if you like pause the video, they're adding ads. And then like I said, they're going to add 30 second unskippable ads, which that's fucking ridiculous. Um, we got a new trailer for Strange New Worlds today, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I am loving it. I'm loving every second of it. We finally get to see Carol Kane in action as she takes over engineering on the Enterprise. We got to see clips of the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover featuring Trondi Newman and Jack Quaid in as live-action versions of their characters from Lower Decks, uh, Mariner and Boimler. And it looks like it's going to be time travel. It's not a holodeck episode like many were projecting. We could still be wrong. We don't know. And... A lot more action and big, massive set pieces. Regular Klingons are back, which everyone is very excited for. It looks like they've ditched the Discovery design of Klingons, which literally everyone hated. Literally everyone hated those designs. I don't know why they did those designs in the first place. So, regular Klingons are back. That's a big thing. But yeah, Strange New Worlds drops June 15th on Paramount+. Plus. Um, and here's some changes coming to the streaming world. So, it is official. Max is here. HBO Max is no longer HBO Max. Uh, in some cases, your app might update to Max. In other cases, you might have to download an entirely new app, which is fucking ridiculous. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. If you rebrand, you don't make them download a new app. You use the same one and rebrand like CBS All Access did when it became Paramount Plus. Like, come on, people. Ridiculous. And speaking of Paramount Plus, it has been announced that on June 27th, Paramount Plus will officially become Paramount Plus with Showtime. It looks like the channel Showtime will be rebranded in some way. Um, and the price will increase by about $3. So now Showtime content will be included on Paramount Plus. Uh, at the end of June. <clears throat> and, in, and in the biggest news, as it uh, looks like Netflix tried to hide behind the Max change, they have announced uh, all the new rules in regards to password sharing and their massive crackdown on it. So, starting soon, uh, Netflix, uh, it, is, it has gone into effect today, actually. So... Accounts who are suspected of password sharing will get an email and it will say, quote, your Netflix account is for you and the people you live with, your household, unquote. So you can add additional users for $7.99 monthly per additional user. And that includes if you're paying for the very expensive $20 a month plan. Uh, this will not be available to you if you have like the most basic plan, but Everyone else has to pay another $8 a month, effectively making, uh, if, if you have Netflix, effectively making it $30 a month if you have like the 4K version. If you have that version, you should not have to pay for an additional user. So I, I, I don't understand what's going on. Look, I'm a little happy because uh, it looks like I am not affected as of right now. I do use 
Netflix with my parents. We're in different households, but maybe because we've been using it the whole time. I, I don't know, but it's, um, <clears throat> I'm happy I didn't get that email. Then again, I, I could get it in like a day or two. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what ultimately happens. I don't think I'm really going to go for that at all. So we'll see what happens. But Netflix announced that. That's it for streaming and TV. Let's head on over to Hollywood and go into movie land, shall we? All right, what's going on in Hollywood? Well, did you guys know that there is a Creed 3 exclusive anime that is only being shown in Japan? Yeah, a lot of people are upset because that should be coming out here in the U.S. and it's not. So if you go see Creed 3 in Japan, you get to see this anime. How cool is that? The Writers Guild of America strike is under full underway. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, it looks like another Hollywood union may go on strike. The SAG-AFTRA union, which represents the actors, so it's Screen Actors Guild. I really don't know what AFTRA stands for. But the board has called for a strike authorization. Um, so this means actors, right? So if they, the members vote to authorize a strike, that means, um, so wait, not guarantee a work stoppage. So essentially it just means they could go on strike if they wanted to, which means we could potentially have an actor strike and a writer strike going on at the same time. So this is all in regards to negotiations going on with the studios, which won't start in, until next month. Uh, but they released, it said, quote, in anticipation of the union's forthcoming TV theatrical contra contract negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which begin June 7th, the SAG-AFTRA National Board agreed unanimously to recommend that its members vote to authorize a strike. An affirmative vote does not mean a strike would necessarily happen, but it would allow the National Board to call one if deemed necessary during the negotiations process. The action comes following a unanimous agreement by the TV Theatrical Negotiating Committee that the strike authorization would give the union maximum bargaining leverage as it enters this round of negotiations with the AMPTP. SAG-AFTRA represents more than 160,000 entertainment and media professionals, unquote. So, the last time SAG-AFTRA went on strike was the 1980s with a 95-day walkout. So, it essentially was used to fight for payments in regards to TV and VHS cassettes. Uh, no strike action since SAG and AFTRA joined for, merged in 2012, so it would be the first time the new union would uh, have a strike. So it looks like uh, it'll be interesting. So Fran Drescher, yes, that Fran Drescher, is president, current president of the SAG-AFTRA, said, quote, For the first time in a very long time, our member leadership stands in solidarity at the negotiating committee and the national board levels on moving forward with a strike authorization. We must get all of our ducks in a row should the need present itself. The prospect of a strike is not a first option, but a last resort. As my dad always said, better to have and not need than to need and not have. Therefore, I employ eligible members to follow the leads of both the negotiating committee and the national board with an unprecedented show of solidarity and make a three-charm with an emph emphatic yes for a strike authorization vote, unquote. So, 
it'll be interesting to see what ultimately happens. I, Hollywood would crumble with uh, an actor, um, an actor and writer, um, an actor and writer strike. So SAG-AFTRA is the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Interesting. Um, that's what that stands for. Anyway, uh, no strike yet. Possible? Doubt it. Uh, Deadpool 3 has entered production uh, despite the strike ongoing, meaning if any rewrites need to happen while on set or anything like that, not going to happen. If Ryan Reynolds decides to improv, it can't officially be written down. Um, so yes, that's ongoing. And then we've also learned that Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio, two characters from the first two films, will be back. No word on if Josh Brolin will be back as Cable, though, which was fully expected. So, here is the wildest news I've seen in a long time. Somewhat expected, not totally shocked. Disney has announced that they will be closing the Galactic Star Cruiser later this year. The Galactic Star Cruiser is their very boutique uh, Star Wars hotel experience two-night trip that costs an outrageous amount of money. And the final voyage, quote-unquote what they call their, their trip, uh, begins September 28th and will close for good on September 30th. The hotel wasn't even open two years. Uh, it, of course, cost six grand for a family of four, two nights. Didn't even really include tickets, which is the most ridiculous, wildest thing I ever saw from them. Uh, Disney isn't cheap. And if you were a big Star Wars fan, that was a, a hard pill to swallow. Especially when... This was my biggest issue with the Star Cruiser. And a lot of influence, Star Wars influencers, let me clarify that, had the issue as well. Yes, they enjoyed the experience. But when it came to theming... The hotel didn't feel like Star Wars. It felt very generic sci-fi. And that was my biggest issue with it. They, they knocked it out of the park with, with, um, with Galaxy's Edge, with Batu in both, excuse me, on both coasts. What my issue is, is how they dropped the ball so hard with the hotel. So... <laughs> Yeah, the hotel's been open just over a year. It opened March 1st, 2022. And uh, if you wanted to stay in a two-person cabin, it was about $1,200 per guest per night or $4,800 for the entire trip. So about five grand for two people. And uh, yeah, for three guests, it was $889 per guest per night, about $5,300. Four guests, about $750 per guest per night, about six grand for the whole trip. It was a two-night stay. You couldn't really leave the hotel because it was supposed to be like you were on a starship going through the galaxy. Um, no windows, really, because, like I said, it was immersive. You didn't get to leave. You got light. There was lightsaber training, special food, um, but there was fully immersive cast, full-on armor, like First Order, The Resistance. There was a lounge singer who just released an album. Chewbacca would show up. You can take a shuttle down to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge where you could ride some of the rides, build things like that. Um, but obviously it didn't include full tickets, let alone full tickets to all the parks in Florida, which is, again, ridiculous. Like, all that money should have... I get it. It was a 100-room hotel. They wanted to make their return on the investment. 
But when you're paying that much, it should include more than the hotel in Galaxy's Edge. It should have included multiple stays at some of the other hotels. It should have included tickets. Like, really. So this is, official, this is an official statement from Disney. Quote, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is one of our most creative projects ever and has been praised by our guests and recognized for setting a new bar for innovation and immersive entertainment. This premium boutique experience gave us the opportunity to try new things on a smaller scale of 100 rooms, and as we prepare for its final voyage, we will take what we've learned to create future experiences that can reach more of our guests and fans, unquote. So, key words here. Premium boutique experience. Disney knows that they backed themselves into a corner with it, and this is what ended up biting them in the ass with it, is they charged too much, it was too small, and, and they, they failed. What, what I would love, what I would personally love, is if Disney did a large-scale hotel that they wouldn't have to charge an arm and a leg for, but just, like, base it then on, like, uh, put it as a hotel on Coruscant. Or, uh, you know, it, it's like, whatever they did, they, they completely failed with it. And, and it's frustrating that that they dropped the ball so damn hard with this Star Wars hotel. Um, yeah, they 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 cut started cutting the trips, so it wasn't even booked all the time. That's another thing which I don't understand. Um, they were doing three trips a week to two, so that means it was only operating for four days a week instead of six days a week. Um, yeah, there that that's they failed. And and look, Disney fails from time to time. They don't get everything right all the time. But that was a big failure and it it makes me extra upset because I'm a Star Wars fan and I did kind of want to go. I was just never going to spend that money to go. Um so yeah, that's not happening anymore. Gladiator 2 has lost one of its major stars. Barry Keegan was in talks to play an emperor, the main antagonist of the film. Uh, he has dropped out, though, due to scheduling conflicts, so I'm sure with the writer's strike, that's going to have to change some things, or they're going to have to cast someone new. Um, <clears throat> Indiana Jones premiered at Cannes Film Festival in France last week. The reviews are not good. They are bad. The current Rotten score um, for Indiana Jones is, I think I, think I saw it was like 50%. And that's critic score. Um, that's not good. I mean, Fast X is that too, but the user score is in the high 80s. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Little Mermaid's getting 70%, but yeah, this is not um, this is not not a good thing considering what happened with you know Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which releases in July. I'm looking for looking for uh, the Rotten Score. Sorry, bear with me here. I thought I had it loaded up. Um, it's not good. I saw reviews on different websites. It is it is bad. Um, it is very, very, very bad, and I am somewhat shocked. Because some of the early reactions were were pretty were pretty good, um, they they hailed Harrison Ford obviously, and some other things. But 
reading full reviews. And granted, maybe this is just a lot of European reviewers, but a lot of nerd sites were out there as well. They just, um, where'd it go? Not showing up on here. I'm going to have to search for it. Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Critic consensus is at a 50% right now, just straight 50%. So rotten. So who are some of these? Polygon gave it a negative score. Um, some other websites were giving it a plus. Financial Times gave it a 3 out of 5. Um, the Observer said bad. Toronto Star, 2.5 out of 4. Wow. Um, I don't know. IGN Movies, 4 out of 10. Yeah, that, that shocked me. Obviously, not all critics are right, right? You're not going to agree with all critics. Uh, Irish Times gave it a 3 out of 5. Rolling Stone, bad. The Rap liked it. Time Magazine said bad. New York Magazine Vulture gave it a plus. I, I mean, it, it just comes down... I don't care about the Daily Beast. Um, Collider thought it was okay, B minus. So again, it, Slash Film, 8 out of 10. Whoa. Okay. A slash Film and IGN going toe-to-toe there. That That's interesting. We'll see how, how it comes out. Variety, no. Vanity Fair, no. Interest, Empire Magazine, 4 out of 5. Okay. This, this, it's all over the place. It's, hence the 50%, right? Um, we'll, we'll see though, but that's a big oof. That is a big oof. We'll see what happens when it, it comes out, uh, on June 30th. So just, uh, just a few weeks away. Uh, Fast X came out this past weekend, made $67.5 million domestically and a $318 million globally. Um, it is... Uh, the seventh best opening weekend for Fast and Furious franchise, U.S. stateside. Obviously not uh, not the worst, but not the best. And um, $251 million overseas. Number one international opening movie of the year. Ahead of Super Mario and Guardians globally. That's nuts. People love Fast around the world. Uh, like I said, it's $318 million globally. Uh, that was as of Sunday, so it's obviously more now. And it is uh, the only thing that beat it for this year is Super Mario Brothers, which pulled in $368 million globally opening weekend. So yeah, Fast X did better than Guardians 3 opening weekend globally. Um, Fast 9 was the best. Fast and Furious, which is the fourth movie, uh, both Fast Nine and Fast and Furious did seventy million. Fast Five, eighty-six million. Fast Six, ninety-seven million. Fate of the Furious, which I think is the worst movie, next to Tokyo Drift, ninety-eight million. Furious Seven, of course, did one hundred and fifty million opening weekend U.S. So, uh, like I said, though, I had a lot of fun. We'll talk about it in just a bit uh, as I give my review. Um, the director, Louis Leterrier, Louis Leterrier, I don't know how to say, Leterrier, I don't know how to say his name, to be honest. Uh, he was speaking with Hollywood Reporter, and he talked about some of the cameos, we'll talk about those, um, because it, there's a big one, and, uh, looks like the director is the one who was able to broker that one. Natalie Portman has opened up about potentially returning to Star Wars, um, she 
said she would be up for it if Lucasfilm asked her to. They haven't yet. Obviously, it would be in, like in a flashback something or prequel something. And um, she, someone asked her on Reddit if, if the character would return. She said, quote, I have no information on this. No one's ever asked me to return, but I'm open to it, unquote. Obviously, it's Reddit, but if she came back, I think a lot of people would be happy. Not a lot of wiggle room in terms of bringing her back into the story. Um, I would like to see it, but again, not a lot of space there. Um, obviously, bringing Hayden Christensen back for Obi-Wan, they had to go to flashbacks, right? And de-age just a bit, not a whole lot. Natalie Portman, of course, much older than where Padme would be at this point in her life. So that um, would have to require some, some de-aging. And again... Uh, not a lot of wiggle room there in stories that could be told where they could bring her back. I would like to see it, but it would be hard to do as much as I want it. Um, the Star Wars family also lost a member this past week. Uh, also a member of the Marvel family. Ray Stevenson uh, passed away at the age of 58. Uh, famous for playing uh, Volstagg in the Thor movies. Uh, he was actually in that Triple R movie that came out of India. He is going to be a character in Ahsoka. Later this year, he was in The Other Guys, which is one of my favorite comedy movies. He also played the Punisher in The Punisher Warzone. Um, famous for playing in HBO's Rome. A lot of things. He's been in a lot of things. Um, and he passed away, like I said, at the age of 58 uh, this past week. I always liked seeing him in different things, so it uh, it's unfortunate. Um, Dave Filoni put out a message because he worked with him on both Ahsoka and on Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, Rosario put out a statement. A, a lot of people, you guys can see all those, um, but uh, it 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 really sucks. I mean, he was a cool he was a cool dude and a lot of fun stuff, and. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It really is. And uh, it looks like Ahsoka might be his last works that we'll get to see. And it looks like he gets to play like a Dark Jedi type thing. So very, very excited for that. Um, and then we also learned that Keanu Reeves almost played the villain in Fast X. That would have been cool. That would have been very... Very fun to see. A lot better than what we got. And uh, with that, if you guys want to stick around for the review, please do. But we're going to get into some spoilers. Other than that, uh, that was episode 263. Thank you guys always for listening. Don't forget to check us out on social media, Nixner News, NixnerNews.com, all those fun places. Um, follow us on TikTok, all that. Thank you for listening. But don't go anywhere. Because let's talk about that Fast X review. Fast X is out. Fast 10, whatever you want to call it. Fasten your seatbelts. Um, <laughs> this is a bumpy ride. Live my life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah, Dom? No. The Fast X is a ridiculous and outrageous movie in every possible way. But that's a good thing. It, it is definitely the best Fast movie in several years. So we've had, since the death of Paul Walker, 
So Fast Seven is was probably one of the last good ones. Um, since then, we've had Fast Eight or Fate of the Furious, Fast Nine, uh, or Fast yeah Fast Nine or Furious Nine or whatever the fuck they F Nine whatever they called it, um, and and Hobbs and Shaw and now Fast Ten. Fate of the Furious is obviously is honestly one of the worst movies in that franchise next to Tokyo Drift. I do not like Tokyo Drift at all. Fate of the Furious is is just shit. It it feels just it's not a good movie. Fast Nine was fun. It was pretty good, um, and Hobbs and Shaw I liked a lot. But if we're gonna rank the four between Fate Nine, Hobbs and Shaw, and Fast Ten. Fast 10 is the best of those. So it would be Fast 10, Hobbs and Shaw, Fast 9, Fate of the Furious in terms of that. Fast 10 I would actually put up in like the top 5 of the the 11 movies of the Fast franchise, right? Obviously the first one, or Fast 5 is my favorite. The first one, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, Fast 10, and then Hobbs and Shaw top five and then everything else right um this is technically while yes it is fast 10 it is almost like a direct sequel to fast five because it it ties so much into the events of fast five with uh jason momoa's character dante reyes who plays the son of Hernan reyes who is the the main villain antagonist of fast five it literally opens with the vault scene from Fast Five. And Jason Momoa plays the most unhinged, over-the-top character in an amazing way. It, it's almost as if they just let him do whatever he wanted and filmed it and just told him to make sure he treats everyone in character. Like, if you're going to be like this, just do whatever you want, but just make sure you talk to everyone as their character and not like the actor. Because that's how, like, just out of control it was and how funny it was. And I'm, I don't want to understate that. When I say this movie was hilarious, I mean it was hilarious. Like, it was, I was laughing and having so much fun the entire time. It has been a while since an action movie like that, comedy movie, whatever you want to call it, has kept my attention the entire time. Some of those movies, I look away, yeah, okay, this, like, yes, it's over the top, but it's fun. The jokes he cracks are so funny. There's a scene in Rome. The movie's in Rome, and there's like a bomb. And he's like, hey, you guys want to blow up the Vatican? Sure, whatever, but you're going to hell. Like, obviously, it's not his henchman. It's him. And that was great. That was fucking great. Oh, you guys are going to hell. Like, he does... He has outrageous outfits that he just oozes charisma and and confidence out of and he's just he has fun the entire time and that's what i love about it and yes this movie has grown inducing cringe-worthy like cgi stunts but they're still fun and they're not as bad as the ones in in fate though i had a ton of fun uh, it, obviously, they don't use a lot of Jordana Brewster's character because she's supposed to be in hiding with with Brian. But most of the most of the movie is Dom and Jason Momoa, and that's okay. Uh, there's some fun scenes though with with Tej and Roman, played by Ludacris and Tyrese. 
who are always fun to be around, even though they're just as over the top as everyone else. Jason Statham was back, which is great. We get to see him in a fun scene with Han, which I very much enjoyed. But unfortunately, they underutilized uh, Michelle Rodriguez as uh, Letty. I felt like they could have done more with her. Uh, the stuff with her and Cypher was fun. Um, but again, underutilized. Stupid DeLorean. Anyway, uh, going to the villain, which I, I kind of mentioned that Keanu Reeves was in talks to play. They got um, Alan Richson to play the villain. Uh, next to Dante, the other villain, who who's Ames. Um, I don't like his portrayal in the movie. It's it's so, it's very stiff. Um, Alan Richson is famous for playing, I think, Dove in, uh, as part of Hawk and Dove in Titans. And then I know him as playing Chad or Thad or whatever in Blue Mountain State. So like I always see him as that. And now he's this like hulked out dude wearing outrageous out like ridiculous outfits and when i say ridiculous they're like normal outfits but they're outrageous on him because of how like wide he is like how stacked he is it was strange um but he played it very stiff i didn't like it the addition of brie larson great playing mr nobody's daughter was very she's very fun in the film and i enjoy her performance because she was having fun too it looked like so that i enjoyed um, Charlize Theron got to do more in this movie than she did in some of the other ones. Again, I very much enjoy that she's part of the, the Fast franchise. Some of the other cameos, I saw people didn't like the Pete Davidson cameo. I thought it was perfect for Pete Davidson. I, uh, that's just me. I, I don't have a problem with Pete Davidson. I know a lot of people do. Um, and there are, oh, so John Cena's back. Uh, obviously fully back on board with the family, even though he played the antagonist in Fast 9. But he plays the brother of, of, of Dom and Mia completely differently, Jacob Toretto. Um, he is like a different character than what he played in that movie. And he plays more like the typical John Cena comedic part. And I thought it was way better. And he just, he, again, it looked like everyone was having fun making this movie. And that's what makes it great. So <laughs> everyone was having fun, and that's why I loved it. I wish we didn't have to wait two years for Fast 11 or whatever they want to call it, or Fast 10 Part 2, or is a three-part really happening, like Vin Diesel said, because he likes to run his mouth. I, I don't know. But it was fun. The one thing that did get me to groan was... Uh, this is a major spoiler here, but I know you guys have been listening. The return of Giselle, of Gal Gadot as Giselle. Like, I get it. Death isn't permanent in the Fast franchise. But if there was any death that was going to be permanent, it was hers for falling out of a fucking plane. That didn't make any sense. And why is she working with Cypher? I thought she's a good guy. I'm very confused. And she shows up in a submarine in Antarctica. S things are not adding up here. And like, some of the rest of the movie, yeah, fine. It ends on a cliffhanger, whatever. I get it. Not everyone's dead, right? There, if No one dies. If you don't die on screen, you're not dead in any movie, any property, unless you're Stannis Baratheon. That's the only time. But, um, yeah, that doesn't make sense that she's back. But they did get, like, everyone else back, and I, I did like that. Uh, Daniela Melchior 
is in the movie. She has had a great career since starring in The Suicide Squad for James Gunn. Um, the Rock is back as well. And that's the cameo I was hinting at earlier in the show where the director, apparently he brokered peace between Vin Diesel and The Rock because Fast 11 or whatever we call it is obviously going to feature Dante, uh, Jason Momoa's character, going after The Rock for killing his father. And I'm very happy to have The Rock back in Fast because his presence not being in um, 9 and 8 was it was very telling. He's as much a part of this outrageousness as everyone else because of Fast Five. So it's good to have The Rock back. So I'm excited to see where it goes. If they do a 13, I don't know, or a, a 12, I don't know how I feel about that. Leave it as a two-parter like they promised, and I think it will be fine. Let the franchise go dormant for a little bit or make a Hobbs and Shaw 2. I don't know, however you want to do that. Um, I really enjoyed Fast 10. If you love the Fast franchise like I do, you will love Fast 10. If you thought 8 and 9 were bad, I know it's going to be a stretch to get you to go see it, but I would go see 10 because it might take the bad taste out of your mouth from those two movies. So it's, uh, it's fun. I would definitely go see it. If you, want, if you want a true classic popcorn movie, it is Fast 10. That is the definition of a popcorn action movie for a summer tent pole. Fast 10. Definitely go see it. You guys will enjoy it. I had fun. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait for the next one. It sucks that we have to wait so long. But Fast 10 was great. I would give it a solid uh, 4 out of 5. Um, no. What did I put on Letterboxd? Hold on. Give me a second. Um, I think I did three and a half or four out of five. Uh, do, 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 do. Where's my rating? No, four to five. Yeah, four to five. Hundred percent. Loved it. Loved it. Go see Fast Ten. Thank you guys for listening to Nixner News this week. Uh, this was two sixty three, and uh, I don't think anything major is coming out this weekend for review wise. But news always drops, so. Be on the lookout for what's coming next week, and uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one.